Hi, I'm Colleen McNamara, and you're listening to my dad on All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. All right. Um, you're you're going to hear about the last, I don't know, five or ten minutes of uh, the end of the interview that we did yesterday in part one, which will then set up um, part two. So for the second time, without further ado, Mike Etor. Let me give you two examples and, 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 and give you your thoughts on that, on both these. Um, a few years ago, General Furness says, you know, makes his comments about discipline. Uh-huh. Everybody knew it was true. Only one other general officer that I know of, and that he was Dale Alford, said anything about it in public. Nobody else said anything, and they all knew it was true. Yeah. I, I mean, and they told that to me in, in private. But so why won't you say? And so here's Furness just getting, you know, and then, but the masses were indignant that he, they would say, that he would say that they were undisciplined. But everybody knows it's true. We're playing the Emperor's New Clothes. Now, here in the last month, you had, what, two weeks ago? You had an official Marine Corps Twitter account attack an American journalist. Yeah. Right? And you haven't, heard, you haven't heard anything from anybody about the incident. That's and pathetic. And I don't know what and, – and so, you know, to me, I said I, just, I don't believe that they're, we're going to get the nothing to see here. We'll take care of it in-house, and we won't make a statement. Well, guess what? It was a dominant story in, in, in more than one news cycle in the country, and, and yet not a word out of the Marine Corps. Like, this is not what we do. We will fix this shortly. We'll make sure that we understand – we're here to serve the nation. And and to for every Marine that has said, right, he's never put on the uniform. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I want to specifically apologize. The civilians in this country have every right to be critical of us, and we have a responsibility to take their their serious criti- their their criticism seriously. Yeah. And we don't care wh- how much experience you have. Period. But Mike, you you've heard none of that. In either, yeah, in either, I, in either I, instance. I, to, to, and I don't know if you've seen this. I think you have. But I want to make sure that <clears throat> we come across right and fair. Um, <clears throat> I did see – I think I saw a statement from Tumef. Was that where it was from? Uh, and I did see, I think, something from the commandant's office, maybe the PAO saying, hey, we goofed. It's not what we do. You know, it won't happen again. No, you're wrong. Am I? Yep. That came from the same Twitter account. There's been no official statement that I've seen, and I and, and I watch from either the commandant or uh, or from Tuma. Yeah, well, if, assuming what you're saying is correct, and I believe you, Mac, that's a uh, that's another indicator of uh, of you know uh, what I call the the gonadial dissonance. You know what I mean? They lost their balls. <laughs> I have no respect for that. I just I can't Wait a minute. I, say I that again. Tolerate that gonadial you know? dissonance. Gonadial dissonance. You know, that's a, <laughs> I'm going to copyright that, so don't use it. You know, <laughs> unless you're prepared to pay. Um, you know, I was just reading a history book yesterday. I wish I would have glommed onto this, but there was a Roman emperor late in the decline of the Roman Empire that actually the soldiers in the legions were complaining that their helmets and breastplates, you know, their armor they wore was too heavy. 
and he actually allowed them to shit can it. No. So that's that's at the decline of the Roman Empire. The mighty Roman. Could you imagine the Roman legion saying our helmets are heavy? It's so hot. Why do we have to wear this armor? Like, oh, okay. Imagine the decline. Well, now fast forward and you've got you've got senior leaders enlisted and generals and colonels and all of that listening to the belly aches of the troops. The troops always belly ache. They be, I belly ached when I was a Lance Corporal. Everybody belly aches and all of that. So my only defense for some of our serving leaders in today militaries is I think they're the frog in the boiling water. You know, they've been in it so long. They, they really don't know from the outside looking in. I'm like, fellas, what the hell are you doing? Like, are you kidding me? And so, so, all right, so I let me ask you one more question. Let me ask you one more question. Um, an organization like which we're discussing, can it defeat the Chinese? Given what we just saw in Iraq and Afghanistan, failed policies, failure to speak the truth, right? Can it confront yeah. and defeat the Chinese? Or should we be should we be intellectually preparing ourselves for our own second island chain, which would be Alaska, Hawaii, Guam, and that's yeah. where we will wind up because they will they will we will not be able to we don't have the leadership ability we don't have for the forthrightness we don't have the gonads to tell the truth to make the corrections to get the navy right we don't we just don't have that anymore culturally. Yeah. What, Here's what, my thought. Here's my think? my uninformed opinion. I love Marines, and I think that today's Marines can fight as as brutally effective as the guys on Iwo Jima, Hue City, Fallujah, whatever your standard is for the right. toughest of tough fights. I think these youngsters can do it. Right. I know they can if led well. However, there's an article going around. You may have seen it last couple of days. There's been an article going around saying, hey – have the officers post 9-11, you know, if you were an officer starting in 95 or so and now post 9-11, do you really believe that that victory is a requirement for going to war? Because you really haven't seen it in the U.S. military for, for quite a long time. You know what I mean? Aside from Desert Storm, we, we don't really have a history of going in kicking ass unmercifully and 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 when you leave the gym so to speak there's no doubt who won that game you know what I mean? there's just no doubt and so my answer to you is do i think we can beat the chinese let me let me answer that with a statement i know a general officer who believes that if we get into it the chinese anytime soon that the Air Force and the Navy are going to be brutally beaten in the early stages. And the hope is, among other senior Marine leaders, that they'd have time to get their shit together. And I postured the question, well, what about the Marine Corps? I mean, I love Marines, but do you think there's a possibility that we might get our ass kicked early on too because we're not ready? And there, there wasn't much of an answer to that. So 
I do think that it's been so long since the military was expected to go in there and savagely and ruthlessly defeat an enemy. I'm not sure that that's in the mindset of today's military planners. I mean, Mac, I, with, with all admiration, I've said this before here, with all admiration and respect for the fighters, the men and women that are out there hooking and jabbing post 9-11 in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other locations, that said, I, I cannot abide by the adulation that some of our general officers have received over the years for what seem to be endless wars, endless wars that worse that started off with no mission statement, no desired end state. Hey, when we do A, B, and C, we are done in Afghanistan and we're leaving. And you still see retired generals still advocating that we stay. We've got to stay longer. We've got to stay longer. And when is enough enough? So it, to me, it just it smacks of we, we can't criticize ourselves. We don't really want to say anything bad because we don't want to say, you know, we don't, we don't want to be wrong. You know, I don't want to, uh, Hey, I was there. I was the commanding general for, for two years over there. I, I, you know, yes, of course we needed to be there. Of course we've made huge progress in all of that. And we've cost this country tremendous treasure. And I'm not talking dollars, you know, I'm talking about life and limb of our, of our youngsters, which are always the ones that pay the price. So, um, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I, I, I had a conversation with somebody about a year ago, retired Marine general officer, long retired, who is wired into the defense establishment. And he told me, I, I won't go in specifics because it might be easy to track down who this guy is from someone that's listening. But he, he essentially told me that in some areas of cyber warfare, electronic warfare and other things that the Chinese were light years ahead of us that they were frighteningly light years ahead of us and that that we we were playing catch up ball to the extreme and so naturally my question is general how in the hell could that have happened that implies that someone a bunch of someone's have been asleep at the wheel for many many years and he said well that's the only conclusion that i can reach as well you know so people don't seem to realize anymore, Mac, that at the end of the day, we're still cavemen. And the Chinese are already at war with us. They just haven't reached hostility, yet, open acts of warfare for the most part. But they're definitely at war with us. And I got to tell you, if they win this war, um, guys like me and you and these liberals, uh, they we won't be faring too well uh, under that. It'll be something like the, uh, you know, the North Vietnamese going into Vietnam and killing people that were educated, the killing the media, killing people who wore glasses because that meant they were intelligent or whatever the case may be. So enough on the military. Let me give you a little bit of an answer on the corporate world. I know of no company that is highly successful that pays a great amount of attention to the woke culture because they're already woke. In other words, the best companies, private and public, that I'm aware of, have served with, have worked with, have observed, what they do to to uh, to avoid getting caught up in that shit is they just they lead, 
and they run great organizations and it's so readily apparent to the people in their organizations that it is run fairly. It's run on merit. Everybody's paid fairly. They can look upward if they're a young Chinese woman or a black man. They can look upward and see people that look like them in the chain of command. And these companies are doing it because it's right. They just selected the best people. We're probably aware of, hey, we need to we need to get some people in here that look different than the rest of us. You know, that's what smart people do. They don't wait for activists to show up and picket in front of their country. They know it's a responsibility of theirs to amass the greatest talent possible, produce the best products and services possible and make money for themselves if they're private or the shareholders if they're public. Even if the company is successful, I find that if they pay an excessive amount of time, if they pander to the woke culture and the political correctness, they may still be doing okay from a profit and loss standpoint, but they're not doing as well as they could be because they are diverting massive amounts of capital, human capital too, time and energy to making sure that someone with the gravitas of AOC can't jack them up for not having enough, you know, Hindus or or Asian, you know, Pacific Islanders right. or whatever on their roles and all of that. And so um, the best ones, I don't think they pay much attention at all. They just they're just good, Mac. You know, right. the best military units. I just tell my guys, look. We're going to be good. We're going to work hard. We're going to keep the area clean. We're going to do our shit right. And we know it's right so that when we hear, hey, the CG's in the area, we don't have to do a damn thing except what we're doing because we're doing it right. right. And the, be- the best companies do not fear Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Coalition or you know AOC or – you know, Southern Poverty Law Center. They don't fear that because they know, hey, run our stats. Yeah, we're come, take we're taking care of business. Come literally. take a look. Um, I have you read um, the the book Good to Great by Jim Collins? Yes. You know, one of the things that that um, so I'm I'm, I'm about two thirds of the way through listening to it. Two words come up continually in it that I find fascinating. One is humility. Right, actually, there's three, and and this is of leaders, and 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 they, he gets into this discussion about leaders, leaders and compensation, and these are companies, that, and the criteria to be a great company was to do multiples of the earning of your industry, and to do that for 15 years, so not go up and come down. So this idea of sustained great performance, three yeah. words I would tell you that that come out of it that that made me smile. One is is selflessness, right? That the leaders that got to the key positions in this in this company, specifically the CEO, there was an element of selfless leadership in him. Two, humility. And three, self-discipline. And discipline, the organizational discipline. And you hear that, and as a Marine, it makes you smile, right? But he said, this is what defined great companies that were willing to become great and then and they did the right things to stay great. 
And I think it's, I think I'd, I'd recommend that book to anybody. Read it. It's fascinating. And because they're very much assembling this study, right, from a data perspective, not from yeah. a, an opinion or a notional perspective, from an can we prove this empirically through levels of compensation, through rates of return, you know, through pay scales and all the rest of the stuff. So that's what that's what Jim Collins and his little merry band of, of researchers, that's what they produce in this book. I, to me, it's a great read, but it absolutely backs up what you're saying, right? There is a culture there that rewards excellence, right? Excellence of performance, and they don't give a shit where it comes from. They don't care what color you are. They don't care what gender you are. They don't care what what, you know, national origin you have. They want yep. you because you're good, and they promote you because you're good. Yeah, I I, I love that book, and I, I don't want to be a spoiler to you, but I want to tell you that Go ahead. it's been written a long time ago now, and a good number of the great companies mentioned in that book have subsequently performed poorly, and several of them have utterly failed. Like some of them don't even exist anymore. And the general consensus, what you just said was true. They they excelled because they paid attention to – it wasn't hard. They paid attention to certain things and they just did it. And then they reached the heights and they took their eye off on the ball and they started – they started paying more attention to spit shine boots and starched cami, so to speak, and they started diluting the effort and you know economy of force and mass and all of that principles of war. They started avoiding it and and deviating from what got them there, and and many of them uh, are gone. Some of them are gone. Most of them have been mediocre. They just couldn't sustain the performance, and some of them have sustained it. And I. I speculate that those are the ones that that maintain the focus on the very things that you just talked about. It's a well, fascinating study. It, you know? it is, and because one of the things, and the reason they used 15 years for the criteria was that they thought, well, within 15 years, the vast majority of these companies will have turned over CEOs. Okay, and that was one of the things about the culture of a company, the way it selected a successor, you know, what they did, how they brought that about. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, paid high prices and brought in, you know, some hired gun from outside and then they fell out of they fell out of it and they weren't in the study. Right. And they, yeah. talk, they talk about that. So that's why the, the criteria of 15 years. But this whole di- idea of culture and excellence. And when you pick wrong. Right. When you pick wrong, it destroys the organization. Well, I think you're exactly right. Culture is a huge part of, of any organization, and it starts at the top. And so relative to the military, I don't blame the troops at all. There's no oh, bad sergeants. And let me just – Mike, you, you know, again, you know, Marines are as good as they've ever been, okay? Yeah, I believe They're that. tough. They're physically fit. They're smart. But let me tell you this. What makes – and I heard General Zinni say this as a colonel, right? And, and again, to me – the, I, uh, Tony Zinni's call sign to me is the burning bush, okay? Yeah. He is what, it, in my opinion, both on active duty and off, you know, once he retired, what it is to be a, a Marine. And he said, look, he said, what you're trying to convince me of, and he was talking about the staff planning process, is there's a system, and the system's going to take care of me. And he, then he said, look, 
you cannot engineer around the man or woman at the top. The single most important element of command is the commander. And he said, so you can have any system you want, but if you've got a bad seed, if you've got a dud in that spot, you're going to struggle as an organization. Right? The commander's got to drive it. The commander's got to have a vision. The commander's got to articulate that because he or she is the driver. And if you don't have that, then you're not going to be very good. I don't care how good your staff is. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting. I, 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 I mean, I can't, I can't add to that other than I agree. It's exactly what I teach civilians about leadership, culture. Ethics, integrity, all of that, it flows from the top down without fail. And any organization, military or business or anything, any organ, family, any organization, team members will ultimately replicate the character, work ethic, and other behavioral traits of its leaders without fail. And uh, I would say that the majority of companies, all of the companies that I'm associated with, I've worked with that are really good. They, they not only have a super strong leader, doesn't mean he's perfect. Doesn't mean she knows everything. Doesn't mean they're necessarily road scholars. They're almost never, they almost never are. Most of them are from state schools, humble beginnings. But they're really good, solid leaders, and they've assembled a really solid leadership team around them. And and from those five to 12 executives, they are joined at the hip when it comes to culture, integrity, values, and things like that. They can argue like hell about other things, but on certain things, they are joined at the hip, and, and they are rigidly integrated with this stuff. It flows downhill. And it results more often than not in a really effective, productive, you know, uh, company. And so um, it's, no, I, I, it's fascinating. That's why I love doing the leadership stuff. Um, you know, the ancient philosophers, I've been putting an ancient quote out on LinkedIn for a while every morning. And it's, you know, Plato, the Stoics, you know, Hippoc- Hippocrates, whatever. And then I throw my little spiel on it. And I love those guys because – they had it figured out. They had human nature figured out thousands of years ago, Mac. And and think about what we just talked about. I mean, I've just excoriated marine generals and military leaders and talked ill of certain corporate leaders. They're humans and and their failings are not a lack of talent or a lack of ability. It's falling prey to certain elements elements of human nature. Greed, self-interest, envy, things like that. So it's not hard to teach people how to be good leaders. I tell people, you know, being a good leader is not hard, but it is hard work. You got to work at it every single day. And that usually causes them to, to sit back. Look, I can teach you to do it. I can teach you pretty quickly. I can teach you everything I know pretty quickly about the science of leadership and even some of the art. But I'm telling you, you have to work at this every single day because no two days are going to be the same. You have to work at it every single day. And when you're pissed off and somebody really disappointed you, 
you're going to have to remember a few of those leadership traits and principles and not bite that guy's neck, you know, down to the to the neck bone, you know, because you're so pissed off at him or her. Because unless you're getting ready to fire them, that person is going to live to, to work another day and they can't be afraid to come in your office and give you bad news in the future. So I, I love doing this stuff. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say one more thing on the woke culture. Uh, my my agreement with you that the, the nation is not inherently racist does not mean that there hasn't been past or even current existing uh, whiffs of racism or institutional bias. I think that's why we have to have inspector generals and making sure at our service academies that we're letting in uh, and ensuring that the population of students reflects that they're not, they're not all rich kids coming at rich white kids or even rich minorities and all that. We're getting a good cross-section of America, qualified applicants and, and all of that. Um, that said, I don't see of the of the minorities and other women and people from other so-called disadvantaged populations. I don't know what, what they're really called um, – and I mean that in the best sense. So people of color, people from uh, poor backgrounds, people of uh, you know bad educational backgrounds and things like that, um, who, those of, of those people that I have seen rise to significant levels of achievement in the business world, Mac, I never hear them talk about this. Like I, ne- I never hear them talk about it. They just chose to acknowledge, hey, you know, I think Harry in, uh, in accounts receivable, I think he's a friggin' racist. I think so. But you know what? There are racists back home too. And what I'm going to do is not shut down because I realize there's a racist in my company and maybe a, a couple more. What I'm going to do is do my job so well I can't be ignored. Right. And and chances are someday I'm going to eclipse Harry, and I'm just, I'm, the hell with Harry. I'm here to win. I'm here to go as far as my talent and initiative and 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 results can take me. So screw Harry. And so what I tell you know what I tell every minority woman you know hey if you're waiting for the day when our earth is free of racists and racism. And sexist. Or bigots of any ilk, right? Yes. You are yeah. going to die uh, a very disappointed person because you're setting an expectation of perfection that's never been on this earth right. and never will be. Because, again, we go back to human nature. There's always going to be some friction between people who are different from each other. I'm not condoning racism. I'm not condoning sexism. I'm saying that I don't think anything short of divine intervention or some kind of drug that can go in there and literally alter your mind can ever remove the human mind's ability to simply not like someone else because of how they look, talk, sound or where they come from i just don't think it's going to happen no you but, know? The, but the benchmark is you know is is not anecdotal individual racism because as you say mike right that's, that's existed right. forever the question is right systemic racism right and mike and i grew up during you know an era of jim crow i can remember in mobile alabama when i was in 1966 so i would have been uh eight years old 
I can remember going to drink out of a water faucet and seeing a sign that said white only on it. I didn't understand what it meant. I just went up and drank out of the water fountain, the bubbler water fountain that was there. But I remember seeing that, right? That is systemic racism, right? And so to me, again, I see this notion in in a liberal, in the liberal Western world, you know, that that has China staring at it, wanting to usurp a rules-based order, right? Having this discussion about this nation is inherently racist. And I, I reject that. I, I just, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's, a, uh, it's somebody with an agenda. Yeah, and you can't. So, you know, our, our education institutions are all run by liberals, right? Our largest cities in the countries are all run by liberals. So you mean to tell. And, and again, there's people like Mike and I. We don't have any time for that, right? We don't have any time. If you're a bigot, if you bring that shit to work, we'll crush you. Okay, and it's not even I mean, we'll do it today. We'll do it this afternoon. So when should we schedule the court martial or the NJP schedule? How about in an hour? Can we get all the paperwork done? Crush them today. And again, I mean, just don't have time for it because it's not what we do. Because you know what? For those of us have served, you know, um, we've seen people of every color, right? Do the most courageous and selfless things. Absolutely. And when when and do them when they weren't sure if they would even survive through it, and some of them didn't. Yeah. Right. And you're gonna tell, and you're gonna get your exacto knife, and you're gonna start drawing lines. Hey, fuck you, man! Don't do that yeah. shit in front of me. I went to a thing. I'm not gonna say where I, where I went, but um, it was a cotillion, and it was an it was an all white event. And somebody said, "Were well, you having, you know?" And I came in to be my mother's escort at her request, and I was, and wore my dress blues. You know, so I'm sitting there kind of having, you know, after the event, I'm, you know, it's, everything's going on. And, and somebody says, well, what do you think of all this? I said, you want my honest opinion? And they said, yeah. I said, a little bit disgusting to me. I said, you know, I, I come from part of the culture that fights. And I've seen people of every color give their lives for this nation. Yet I don't see anybody of color here tonight. I said, so it's kind of fucking creepy and fucked up to me. And, and you know, the answer I got was, well, you have to understand that this goes back. And I, and I said, look, and they have gave me their little spiel about it goes back 150 years. I said, I don't care. It needs to be changed then. Okay. What this is right here is disgusting. And so, yeah. and, and I would say that's the way my friends are. Because of what we've seen and the yeah. magnificent people we've seen of every race. And so the notion that this, this nation is fundamentally racist, I, I, have, I have no time for it. No, I agree with that. And I would say that um, you know, it just takes, it takes some character. It takes some intestinal fortitude. I'm sure there's Marines listening to this who knew me. And, and I got to tell you, I am absolutely secure in my belief that – there are no, there, I mean, there's there's some non-Mikey Tour fans out there from both the business world and the Marine Corps, but there's not one of them that has a legitimate basis to say he is a sexist and a racist and will oppress minorities, disadvantaged people, lesbians, whatever, whatever. In fact, I know. 
I mean, I don't have statistics. I just know the body of work that I produced over my lifetime indicates that I've not only not been bad for those people, those populations, they in fact have thrived underneath me, thrived in my organizations. And any investigation, like if you see Cuomo's under the gun now in New York, you know? A little bit. And a little bit. And, and so his body of work is going to come back to help him or haunt him. And I'm saying my body of work on these issues, my conscience is clear. Have at it. Investigate the hell out of me. And in corporate America, if a company's leadership will sit down and resolve, you know what? We are running a good show here. Got a few things we need to tighten up. Let's tighten it up. But let's not apologize for not meeting someone else's standard of perfection. Let's just do right. Let's be good people and do right by our people and our customers, and the rest will take care of itself. When these people, when they shrink to these, to these you know, zealots, as did some of our generals to Gillibrand and others, that emboldens the attackers to doing it again. And I... I mean, you can call me a racist all you want. I, I'm not going to pay any attention to you because I know I'm not, you know. And and I wish that more corporate leaders and military leaders would have the spine to rest upon the substance of their organization and their institution. They have good stories to tell. They don't claim to be perfect, but they have really good stories to tell. And left unchecked, this politically correct stuff, the woke culture, the revisionist history, the cancel culture will run amok. It, it'll, it'll, there's nothing sacred to people of that ilk. Nothing sacred. Whether they have a hidden agenda or not, there's, there's nothing. I and mean, when you start banning Dr. Seuss books, I think we've gone too far. Michael, first of all, um, I don't understand why I haven't done this in so long, and I apologize for that. I, I won't wait nearly as long because I, I, I mean, to me, I love this—you know—these liberal arts um, discussions about leadership. Um, they're great, and I, I think more people need them. And again, um, I think a lot of times, you know, you have great leaders, and they get lost. They get lost in the politics of their own job. And I think one of the things general officers need to need to keep in mind is that you know there may be a time that I have to. Stop doing this, right? And that's that's every bit as much as my duty uh, as it is my duty to do what I can to make this thing better. But the first thing I owe my nation is my my loyalty and my honesty, and it will always have that. And if, if I run afoul because of it, then so be it. And I don't think enough people do that. I think they they begin to qual- swallow the corporate, you know, line, and uh, and I and I think that's uh, that's not a th- that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. So, first of all, your candor, always appreciated. Um, you're giving up a little bit of your time today for us. Uh, certainly appreciated. And uh, and to, to end where we began, uh, just uh, in awe of your gigantic testosterone count. <laughs> 
Well, that's okay. I, I'm trying to think of a snarky response to that, but it would probably come off entirely wrong, and I don't want to get in trouble yeah, yeah. here. So, exactly. Uh, what about – tell everybody where they find your book, where, where they find what you do. Yeah, I, uh, my website is, is Fidelis Leadership, just like Semper Fidelis, fidelisleadership.com. Uh, my book is Trust-Based Leadership. And that is Marine Corps leadership principles for today's business leaders. That's on Amazon and all the other major booksellers. And I'm I'm actually coming out with a new book within 60 days, Mac. Um, and it is the principles of war for today's business leaders. It's it's business lessons for uh, military lessons, war fighting lessons for business leaders. And I take each of you know the old moose must you know mass opportunity offensive surprise. I take each of the nine principles of war and provide an, ex- uh, an example or two of how a military campaign succeeded or failed because of adherence or, or, uh, or deviation from that principle. And then I follow it up with, with similar analogies from the business world. It's, uh, I think it's a short read. It's a good read. Uh, you know, I, I've preached long and hard that most of the stuff that we learned in the military really does apply to leadership in the business world. And the, the principles of uh, war are absolutely uh, in that bucket. I mean, I, I and I use them as a corporate executive. I You can go back in, to my old company and talk to some of the people there. And ask them, what do you know about unity of command? And they they know what unity of command is. Hey, you can't have co-leaders on this software implementation. You can have a team, a project team, but ultimately, who's the one executive that is in charge of getting this ball across the goal line? So things like that. I think the you know the the military can learn from the business world, and the business world can certainly learn from the military. And I think Mac, you know, you're a student of history. Um, most of our military failures or mediocre performances are because we did not relentlessly and, and ruthlessly apply the principles of war. We could point that out. So it's a, it's a golden list that applies in many environments. And, uh, I'm not asking for much. I ask everybody, maybe buy 15, 20 copies, give it to your family, people that you know on the street, and, uh, we'll be fine with that. That's a simple give. No problem Just with that. That's it. 10, 15 copies, you know. All right. Now tell everybody where your website is and how they find it again. Fidelisleadership.com. I also publish pretty much daily on LinkedIn under Mike Etor. My Facebook page is wide open, Mike Etor. And, uh, and you'll – I mean there's no secrets. My life is pretty much open and transparent and I, uh, I love to connect with people. So reach out and connect with me and uh, unless you look like Mac, I'm probably going <laughs> to accept your, your friendship, you know. There you go. That is Mike Etor. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thank you, Mac. Yep. More of All Marine Radio coming up next. That'll do it. An awesome conversation with Mike Etor. Uh, again, if you didn't listen to the first part, make sure you go back and listen to it because it's a great discussion. Um, so, again, Mike is uh, Mike, somebody who lives it. All right. Nothing to say it. And, you know, one of the things that I think you have to be willing to do as you progress through life is, is you have to be willing to stand on principle and quit. And when you're not willing to do that, when making rank, getting promoted is more important than that, 
you put your path on a on a bad path. You put your life on a bad path. And I think that's one of the problems with the leaders that wind up leading in the Department of Defense. I call them high-end conformists. And what we need is a few more people that click off safe more often and let it rip. We don't have enough of those. And the nation pays for it. The nation pays for it. So, um, thanks for listening. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. Don't be afraid to go out there and change somebody's life. And if in any way, shape, or form I could help, all you got to do is reach out. On that note, have a great day. And I'm out.